It's Tuesday, January 12th, 2021, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. Yoski. And once again, sitting in for the whole show today, author, Kristen Howerton. Welcome, Kristen. Hey, guys. It's great to have you one more time. Uh, to our listeners, Jamie is out for the week, so we get to... Have Kristen sit in. It's a lot of fun. I love doing shows this time of year because this is when you know, it's the week of January 8th. This is the time when our ambition meets reality, just on a personal level, because <laughs> I made some pretty ambitious New Year's resolutions in about a weekend. Finding myself very overwhelmed. In fact, <gasps> I caught up in my reading. Yeah, I, 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 I was like, I, I was going to do a read the Bible in the year thing with a group, yeah. and uh, I got a text because it's like an online thing. I, I just had to binge. I think I, I did was it I you know it's a daily plan yeah. and I was last night binging the first like seven days of of the year if like I haven't even started I I'll just get caught up guys I'm kind of stressed about all my New Year's resolutions considering <laughs> seven days in I've already failed or not started most of them where are you guys at with resolutions in general and if and if this has been a cold week of reality for you guys as well. I've just noticed, maybe it's who I follow on Twitter or whatever, but I've noticed a bunch of people who are trying to do dry January have already bailed. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the January for that. I think everyone bailed on the Georgia runoff night. Everybody was like, I can't, I can't not drink. It was such a close race. (laughs) I I made it to to Saturday afternoon of New Year's Day with my dry January. Okay. Kristen, are you a big, are you a big resolutions person? You know, I will say that usually I am. And then I started doing like a word of the year. Um, But this year I did nothing. I really just felt like we're still in a pandemic. I still have four kids learning from home while I try to work full time. I'm not adding anything like my expectation for myself is just like make it through the year. Like Mm. I I can't add more to that. But I, I appreciate that, too, because like I have found that the res- I've I've allowed the pandemic to excuse a lot of other behavior that otherwise I would just never yeah. like it could be 11 o'clock at night. And I'm going to order an entire pizza right, oh, yeah. and, and eat it. Pandemic. I'd be like, I'm doing, the right thing. I'm doing the right thing here by yeah. staying home tonight when really I just wanted an excuse to eat a pizza at 11 o'clock. You know, like oh, yeah. I, I do think the, the pandemic has given us that sort of, uh, you know, like, ah, look, our job right now is to get through this this trash fire of 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 a couple years Derek, are you a resolutions guy man nah man i ain't no resolutions dude bro i'm like i'm like if if i'm gonna do it i just need to do it now so i started yeah i started getting like i have i have a res i have not a resolution but a goal i have goals but i don't i'm not like okay we're gonna start in the new year i'm gonna go ahead and get get it popping yeah. I'm all in or all out on anything. Like I'm a hundred percent or I'm a zero percent. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like that. So for me, like pandemic year, zero percent. I mean, in the last year, cause I was on sabbatical and then went from sabbatical into a pandemic. So yeah. it was 15 months. I didn't wear anything but shorts or sweatpants. Like I literally <laughs> have not dressed for human interaction <laughs> in 15 months. And so like I hit my limit, I hit my wall right before the holidays. Like I was just like, 
mid-December, early December, I was just like, I was tired of it. I was tired of being tired. I was tired of kind of letting everything go. And so I went to the doctor and I just wanted to just like get aggressive with my health again. I've already lost 11 pounds. Nice. I'm like, I'm like 2021, man, I'm optimistic. Not just in that way, but like, I do have goals for 2021. I don't care. And they are pandemic safe goals. Like these are things I can do that don't require normal circumstances culturally. I can like get my life better, my spiritual health, my emotional health, my physical health. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I, I floated through 2020 in a lot of ways. And I'm just 2021. I'm like, I'm taking control again. You know what Kristen, I mean? Kristen, nice. I think a lot of people are where, where you are though. Cause yeah. I, I remember at the beginning of, uh, or at the end of 2019, everybody was like 2020. I got 2020 vision, or like you know, New Year, <laughs> New Year, oh, New man. Me. Man, 2020 came in and smacked the taste out of everybody's mouth. And now sure 2021, did. we're just like, look, guys, I just want to be alive. Like yeah. everybody's like really humble. Like, like nobody. <laughs> we have too, way too much PTSD to make a goal. Like, right. what is that? Yeah. I'm too scared. Yeah, I well, also get out of bed tomorrow before 10. Okay, yeah. so. Totally. Mission accomplished, barely, but still, lay off. See, yeah. I'm living in the future. I'm six months ahead of y'all because I had an unplanned sabbatical happen for me and almost lost the company. Everything, you know, like my right. year. So you're, I'm you're six ready months to go. ahead of y'all. Yeah. yeah. So let me tell you where you'll be in six months. You're going to want to shed the sweatpants yeah. and fit into jeans again. You know what I mean? I'm just telling you, it's coming for you. I, I threw all my, my jeans away, bro. I was just like, they're, they're gone. I don't I even need jeans. I have not worn jeans. Well, I, as, a, as a woman, I, I feel bad for you guys because you can't. Well, you could. I'm not saying you couldn't. But my strategy has been the moo-moo. So I just wear house dresses all day. And they look like you're kind of dressed, but you're not wearing pants. It's actually kind of awesome. See, that's <laughs> I'm what wearing the, one right now. It, it's, it's not fair that there's not a... Like a male equivalent of a house dress. Like, can you it call is. it a house they're suit? Called, they're called gray joggers. They're gray yeah, Nike joggers. Yeah. That, is, that is the male basketball shorts. Because you look like you're doing something, like you're athletic <laughs> yeah. or something. You could be working out. Exactly. Right. So that, that's kind of the equivalent. Yeah. Theoretically, you could have been playing basketball in those and not, you know, binge watching that show with like, the the Mormon couple who renovates houses on Instagram, you know, yeah. like theoretically, <laughs> theoretically, I didn't just watch six hours of that in my basketball shorts. Theoretically, I was out getting shots up, playing some yeah. hoops, staying yeah, in, staying in some sort of shape. All of my sweatpants—they're not Fruit of the Loom sweatpants or Hanes. Mine are like Nike sweatpants, yeah. you know. And I'm wearing I'm wearing Nike shoes. You know, you don't know what I just did. Right. I could have went for, for a job. Yeah, I could have for a job. You don't know. <laughs> but, but the house That's dress, it. there's a degree of formality with it. You know, it's True. not athleisure. It's it's dress is in it. You know, so I, mean, I feel you like. You could put shoes on and look like you were ready to go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's really the perfect. Because with the guy, with the sweatpants thing, you're still, there's no way of getting around you're still wearing sweatpants. Even if they're more fashionable sweatpants, sweatpants are yeah. sweatpants. I don't yeah. care. I don't care if Jerry Lorenzo designed them and they cost nine hundred dollars. Sweatpants right. are sweatpants, okay? You're not you're not gonna go out on like a nice night at like a if if a guy in the Ocean's Eleven crew isn't going yeah. to do a casino heist and sweats, guess what? They're not, you're not pulling them off, okay? Right. You like right. there's no kind of formal equivalent. But yeah, you know, it, I, I'm ready. I don't know. Jerry's Jerry's a trailblazer, man. He's pulling off the sweatpants with the blazer kind of thing and making it. Making it, I, I think fashion's going to change. I think for real, like what Jerry's doing with kind of like fashioning up like <laughs> casual clothes. 
I think, and and kind of where the culture is, I think this year you're going to see a lot of like dress sweatpants type type looks. You know what I mean? When I see when I see someone in a in a sport coat and sweatpants, all I can think of is you know they just got off a Zoom call, like with a lawyer <laughs> or something. Like everybody's they, dressing they, like they, a mullet, yeah, business they, on the top, yeah, party totally. on the bottom. Uh, yeah, obviously that guy just refinanced his house or there with with a banker because he's wearing right. a sport coat with sweatpants. <laughs> what kind right. of sociopath is actually wearing that in the wild? Okay, Jerry That's Lorenzo. A- he puts on deck shoes and sweatpants, and he's got like a nice like top, you know, blazer or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't approve. I don't approve. I don't. I'm not a fan of that. Thank you. Thank you. you know. it is he it because it you yeah. feel like we, there just needs some some decorum? Just needs to yeah. be reestablished here. Yes, me and my moo moo. I feel like there needs to be more decorum. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Well, we have a great show in store for you. Coming up later, we talk to comedian Dustin Nickerson. He has a brand new special out on Amazon Prime called Overwhelmed. A little fun fact about Dustin. He used to be a youth pastor. Uh, we talk about that and a lot more. Uh, we also have Slices and your feedback. That'll be a good one. All right. Well, stay tuned. Coming up next, it's Slices. If I Listening to Benet. The song is If I Get to Meet You. Benet was one of the albums on Relevant's top 10 albums of 2020 list. If you missed that, go check it out at relevantmagazine.com. Well, today's show is brought to you by Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They've literally rethought every little detail of the socks we wear to make them way more comfortable. Uh, I can vouch. I am a Bombas owner. I gave Bombas for Christmas. They are phenomenal. And the cool thing is, not only are they great, they do more than just keep feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community because for every pair of Bombas socks you purchase, they donate a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of more than 3,000 giving partners. The impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash relevant. This special offer for relevant podcast listeners. Go to bombas.com, B-O-M-B-A-S slash relevant for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash relevant. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. So like a lot of people uh, around this time, maybe maybe I don't want to speak for a lot of people. I, I feel like one thing that I've done a lot during the pandemic is um, and just my family's done just almost out of boredom. It's just like cleaning the house and like cleaning stuff out a lot. You know, it's like once you get done, you're like, oh, let's find more. It's I've got nothing to do, nowhere to go. And even though I'm wearing sweatpants and haven't showered in three days, the idea of any kind of filth in my house, I just got, got to eradicate. Are you talking about right? filth or are you talking about decluttering? Like there's a both, documentary both. on Netflix called Minimalism that just yeah. came out with like Erwin mm-hmm. McManus and Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Is it that kind of stuff? Like you want to 
both St- streamline your life. Gotcha. Both. Okay. both. I, th- I guess it's just like a way to kind of exert some degree of control over life that seems like out of control. Absolutely. And, and, and so there, but it looks like there's a lot of people doing that, including one David Hasselhoff. Um, I don't know if he's, <laughs> I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume the Hoff is doing just fine financially. I'm just take the high road here. And I'm going to assume he's just kind of doing a little Marie Kondo and is cleaning out some space in the garage of, of things that no longer bring him joy. Um, because <laughs> David Hasselhoff this week uh, went on Instagram and announced a pretty significant auction of David Hasselhoff related memorabilia. Now, there's a couple items that I could see people really being interested in buying and kind of justifying the price, like, um, you know, an original Night Rider, like the car, like Kit. You know, it, it, you know, it's probably going to sell for three hundred, a few hundred thousand dollars. I could see someone wanting that, and I could see it retaining its value, like a Baywatch retro pinball machine. Again, not my thing. There might be some pinball collectors that might think it'd be cool to have one from the Hoff, from you know the Baywatch heyday. There's one item that I'm quite disturbed about, and I, I and, and I wanted to talk to you guys about this and get some thoughts about it because I'm not so much disturbed that he's selling it. I'm concerned about uh, that. There's a current bid on this item oh, now. No. Uh, apparently I never saw the 2004 SpongeBob movie, but I do know that SpongeBob's a pretty self-aware franchise and, you know, they, they, they had a cameo of David Hasselhoff in the movie sort of tongue in cheek because David Hasselhoff was a life, you know, famous for a lifeguard SpongeBob under the ocean. But part of the appearance required the movie to build a 14 foot long. I say long, not tall, because it is laying down. I think in the movie it was like used to torpedo something, but it is a replica of David Hasselhoff shirtless in red bathing suit, like just made of ceramic. Okay, it's not like a dummy. It's not like a crash test dummy. Okay, this is a a, a like just ceramic thing. It's not. It's not. You know, like the MythBusters guy that's right. like made of jelly or a mannequin. You can read right. posts. This is David Hasselhoff laying face down, arms at his side, with his head up with a big groofy grin, just like this on it. Okay? (laughs) So it is a torpedo of David Hasselhoff that is 14 feet long. Wow. That he owned. And he's decided, again, no longer brings him joy. Going to put it on what he has called uh, the Hoff auction block. And he, he he's posted pictures and he's selling it. Okay. How much <laughs> is he asking for this? Because my backyard could use something like that. Okay. Here's what is disturbing to me about it. It's not. I appreciate him taking a swing here, guys. My dad sold, sold cars growing up. And there's a rule when he sold cars. It's like you can always bring the price down in negotiation, but you can never bring it back up. Right. So if I'm telling you my car is for sale for $10,000, you're like, oh, I want nine. Well, it's actually 11 now. It doesn't work like that. You can only go down. So I can see why he priced it at $100,000. Okay? this is see. crazy. But here's what's disturbing to me. There is someone who has placed a $100,000 bid on this. There is, an, there is someone in the world right now that has a $100,000 that they are just burning a hole in their pocket, and they have decided that the best way to spend this money is on a 14-foot-long ceramic David Hasselhoff. <laughs> I'm very, very deeply disturbed by just knowing this person exists. Man, white people, people, white people that, are rich, man. White like, people are rich. White people are rich. (laughs) 
ain't saying. I'm just saying y'all and, got some money, buddy. And the buyer's premium is 21%. So it's $21,000 more than $100,000. I mean, what, someone, hold on, what, what, what you mean the buyer's premium? Hold on. What like, you talking like about? Like the auction house yeah. gets a cut. Oh, and I the, thought that came out of the hundred thousand. No, 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 it's no. On the top buyer, of the hundred thousand, the buyer pays it, not the seller. The seller wow. gets what they, what the, oh, what the bid was. The buyer pays goodness. the premium, twenty one percent. Is it? Is it not? Like deeply, deeply unsettling that someone well, I feel is like willing there's to two spend. possible options okay. for who this mystery bidder is. Okay. <laughs> one, I want to hear them. Both. I'm trying to see the psychology here. Yeah. One is it's someone who's really rich and has a very rich sense of irony and is buying it to like be the biggest one up at the next like right. white elephant gift exchange. Like, could you imagine if I have just a ton of money and we do a white, a super inappropriate white elephant gift exchange every year with friends. If I, if I had money to burn, I would fully get that and pull like that Elon into Musk. a backyard. Like this is a tech billionaire. Yeah. This is yeah. a, yeah. Like, like just as I, a I don't gag, even care about a hundred thousand like, dollars. Yeah. Right. Cause like this, this is will only be remembered forever. So, yeah. Right. But right. I think I the other possibility that we might be forgetting is the Germans. They love him. <laughs> they do. They, they love him. him. Like inexplicably for years. This might be in a town center in rural Germany. Like I this might be, be next replacing the fountain at the center of the town. Like, like we always forget how big he is in Europe. Yeah. yeah. So it, big. Particularly German. And, and, and this is, you know, as it says, larger than actual life. It is 14 <laughs> feet tall. Unless David Hasselhoff is much taller than I thought. And he's he's the tallest man in the history and, and of the planet And look at Earth. the location of the photos. This is just like a generic suburban, like uh, a storage shed facility where you can rent a 10 by yeah. 10 for uh-huh. 100 bucks a month. Let's like, start at U-Haul. This was just stored at U-Haul. Like, and now it's worth $100,000? It okay. was just sitting there. Yeah. Nobody wanted it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, 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 Kristen, to your point, so there's only two logical explanations. One is, like, Bill Gates, Elon Musk. Uh, An you eccentric know, tech billionaire, young guy, thinks it's ironic. Yeah. Or, always will be the talk of the party. Or, yeah. yeah, exactly. They're doing a white elephant exchange. You know, they're supposed to be a $25,000 limit. Someone went and spent $120,000, you know, on because they, they came across as, but I like your second theory that it's like Angela Merkel or some high-ranking German official that just knows. Look, twenty twenty-one. It's already we're already off to a little rocky start. What can I do to lift the spirits of the German people? I just see, I just see this like flying over like a hang glider over German towns and just having the German people just outside cheering us as a fourteen-foot-tall shirtless Hasselhoff flies over. If that's the Bringing case, them joy. Exactly. Exa- it no longer brought Hasselhoff joy. He Marie Kondoed it. Now it's bringing other people joy. It's the cycle of Hoff. I, that's the, I, I'm kind of leaning towards that theory, Krista. Guys, have you looked through these things? There are some amazing David Hasselhoff mem- memorabilia items for auction. Everybody needs to go to liveauctioneers.com. No, don't go because you're going to drive the prices up. Never mind. Don't go because I want to get some of this stuff. This is are unbelievable. You the, are you the bidder? Are you the bitter, Cameron? I'm not the hundred thousand bitter. <laughs> think about how you could put. Look at the rest of the stuff. If you had a hundred grand, think about how many things you could acquire. I don't want one thing if I had that yeah. kind of money. There is some crazy stuff here. There's a. I Huff. also like the fact that someone has estimated this to be worth seven hundred and fifty thousand. <laughs> wouldn't you guys love to because before there was like Pawn Stars you know where where people would go sell stuff there's like Antiques Roadshow on PBS 
How much would you love to walk into an antiques roadshow dragging this thing behind you and be like, yeah, so I paid, paid $121,000 for it. Please tell me how much it's actually worth here. You know? Derek, Derek, is there any like ironic celebrity that if they auctioned off like vintage memorabilia of them, you would you would be first in line? Listen, man. I, like I've learned so much about white people just being on this podcast. Like y'all just have ridiculous amounts of money where you just like, you know what? Like I, I think just even me just being a black dude that you know I'm 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 pretty well off and successful, but it's just like there's nothing in me that's like, you know what? I'm gonna buy this big ceramic uh, David Hasselhoff thing because I just have money just chilling. Like it's like, bro, I I don't like I like I'm like everything I buy is gonna have to bring me a level of joy and usefulness. Derek, I'm this like, is this joy is crazy. This is, called, this is called making your money work for you, and you invest in this bad boy. <laughs> Flip it for seven fifty. You, you, you threw a cool seven fifty down. You tell me this thing that in a few years there are people lining up to pay Listen, to a million and a half for this bad boy. Look at this the thing, one that I just sent y'all. The link I just sent y'all. David Hasselhoff's personal kit from Knight Rider, the car kit from Knight Rider. Look at the, the actual photos. car. The yeah. actual car that he owned from the show. All right, from now Knight I would Rider. buy that. Okay, I listen. That's pretty cool. Listen, listen, lie, that's 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 dope. It's currently going for three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. <laughs> I'd but buy that. Look at the interior photos. It's pretty dope. The it's lit pretty up. Dope. It is incredible. It's beautiful. I'd buy it. Yeah, I, that's like a childhood dream to have that, that car. Well, right. you know what I would do? I mean, this is the, that 14 foot tall, you know, uh, in, laying down David Hasselhoff. Yeah. I would put wheels on that thing in a steering wheel and just drive around town on David <laughs> Hasselhoff. David would ha- you sit on his butt? Like, would mm-hmm. you sit up on the it's back? It's the only logical place, I think. I think yeah. it's the safest place, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, from a crash perspective i feel <laughs> most secure on his hindquarters on his oh derek you can get you can get some autographed a uh, half worn red surf shorts I'm from, good, bro. from right, right. Right. You, already, you already gotta finish it i'm just I'm gonna <laughs> surf shorts Hey, the, the rider, the kit, the Night Rider car is is that's only I'm I'm shocked that that's only three hundred seventy five thousand dollars. And it's there's gonna six go bids up. on it. It's there's six go bids up. on it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm th- shocked that it's not that much more than the statue. Like the <laughs> right. value of the kit car feels a lot more than that. But hey, hey, they've got stuff in here for like forty bucks, eighty bucks. There's a lot of David Hasselhoff merchandise. I'm going. just gonna buy a Tesla. But here's like here's my thing with the statue. You, you have to lay it on the ground. Like it, it's not very visible. It's not like one that's standing up in your yard or at the you know like very regally at the end of your driveway. <laughs> you know, at least you got to lay it somewhere. And people are you know to really appreciate, it, you kind of have to lay down next to it. I it just there's a lot of complications with owning this particular piece of merchandise. There's no, a I feel t-shirt. like you hang it. You you hang it like the way that when you walk into an aquarium, the whales on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. Like you hang it from a grand. And ceiling. So, so almost like the Wright Brothers trip plane that welcomes yeah. you yeah. into the Air and Space Museum. Space, yeah, yeah, there you go. Right. At, yeah. at whatever museum that you're kind of picturing, or just the <laughs> lobby of your home. Just your home. Just it's a, it's it's, it's a Grant Hasselhoff just you diving from the sky. <laughs> you can Hasselhoff. get a T-shirt that David Hasselhoff wore that says "Don't hassle the Hoff." I, I like the. I like. I just want. To, if I was named David Hasselhoff, I would wear a shirt that says "Don't hassle the Hoff." Yeah, I like yeah. this. Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you have, Derek? So, um, I mean, I don't know how many parents watch the show. I'm sure you know there's there's a lot, but uh, I have some good news. 
and some bad news, just depending on what kind of parent you are, whether you're a good parent or bad news. But if, if you're a good if you're a good parent, this is great news. If you're a bad parent, this is awful news. But that awful show, Caillou, is canceled after 20 years. <laughs> Caillou was that kid. If anybody needed a spanking, it was Caillou. <laughs> Every day he would get on there and and cause ruckus, and his parents would just be like, "Oh, Caillou, sort of rub your bald head." Well, this show is canceled, and I'm I for one am am extremely happy because my kids used to watch Caillou, and I wondered why did they really? Yes, and I wondered why they were doing some of the things they did because that boy. Very influential in their lives. So that bald head little boy is gone. Hallelujah. You know what I mean? I'm happy. I can't I Parents are rejoicing everywhere. Absolutely. I saw it making the rounds that Caillou and Mitch McConnell were both canceled on the same day. Oh my God. <laughs> Leave Mitch alone, man. <laughs> Leave Mitch when my alone. kids were little, I hated Caillou so much. Was that, that the I, one? Was that the show that was most hated in your household, Chris? That's the show. Well, by me. I mean, yeah. my kids wanted to watch it. And so right. I, li- I lied to my kids a lot. But. I told them we didn't get that channel because we had DVR back then. And so I'm like, oh, we don't get that, you know? And, and so they, and they never watched it because I found it annoying. I, I That's your prerogative. That was yeah. my philosophy too. Like, I don't need to have this on in my house. And so I just didn't let them watch it. So, no. you know, there are certain shows that were pretty good. Like Yo Gabba Gabba, like cool artists were coming on and, you know, like Quest Love would be on an episode or whatever. Yeah. It's like, okay, let's watch Yo Gabba Gabba. We're not even going to entertain these annoying ones. So, right. exactly. Yeah, I, nah, my my kids aren't even aware of that thing, God, type of thing. Like, my four year old asked to watch The Office. Like, she's very upset about moving <laughs> to Peacock. She's like, Dad, why isn't The Office on Netflix anymore? I'm like, I know, I know. We got to download that's, Peacock. That's, that's now. power parenting right there. I know. That's, I, know. That's I started parenting. them young. I started them young. So yeah. I'm obsessed with The Office and New Girl, whatever. I watch all the time. Have I, My son is now getting to be almost a tween. And so you're kind of like, he's like wanting to be interested in like older and, you know, like The Office, you know, and those kind of mm. memes and stuff. And so he's like, I want to watch an episode because he's never seen it. Okay, cool. Let's watch it. I have ne- When you're watching something that you like through the lens of being a parent, I have, you don't realize how inappropriate the office is it, it, every episode there's something sexual here, here, here's, here's, here's what you need to do which is, i'm completely oblivious to when i'm watching it but when my son's sitting there i'm like true. oh my god but goodness. i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the philosophy my parents did okay and not care about anything i watch or consume from a media perspective and just be like hey you're gonna hear these jokes eventually you might as well hear them as a kinder as a preschooler because it's hilarious and it will equip you well later in life because like i watched my first r-rated kristen's agreeing with you she's a free range parents she agrees I, I don't even you. know my parents didn't care or know what i watched like i would walk into blockbuster and we would if if we weren't old enough to rent something we would just switch the tapes around when we could get away with it like <laughs> and no one would care when i got back home it's like i remember one time sneaking res sneaking reservoir dogs into like an earnest movie case and i was like sweet perfect crime baby tarantino <laughs> i'm only 11 but this looks cool like oh my gosh Kristen, my mom yeah. was oneness pentecostal so we didn't watch nothing. Same. <laughs> we weren't allowed to watch Three's Company because it was men and women cohabitating that weren't married. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons. 
I wasn't. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Since children. Way. Yeah. See, no way. See, my, my mom took one stand, and my, me and my brother, as young children, ridiculed her so mercilessly for prohibiting Smurfs because of Gargamel that uh, okay. she I never, that. She never mm-hmm. went to battle again. Like, she saw how hilarious it was that she was preventing us from watching the Smurfs. <laughs> like, you think we even want to watch the Smurfs? You should see the real stuff we're watching. There's real warlocks in the cool horror movies that we watch. I don't got to worry about Gargamel. She just was like, okay, this is foregone. They, they're out of control. I just got to, this is not a hill I can die on. They just learned very early on there's no point with these two maniacs. All right. What do you have, Kristen? Well, have you guys discussed the Hilaria Baldwin journey yet? Ah, uh, no. I don't even know who that is. I'm be, uh, I don't know. Oh, hey, goodness. Well, Kristen, Derek, speaking I, I of have. white people, white peopling. Yeah, this is uh, the most white people, white people me I've ever most. heard of. This is oh, the right. Look, put me on. I, lo- I love y'all stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Hilaria Baldwin is a lovely woman who's married to... Um, um, what's his Alec. face? Alec, Alec Baldwin. Baldwin. Yep. Um, she is a beautiful woman. She's a yoga instructor slash maybe just a yoga Instagrammer. She she posts a lot of photos of herself in yoga clothes. And okay. her whole shtick is having a lot of babies and then immediately losing the weight and posting a bikini shot. Like that's kind of uh, her okay. jam. Okay. I think she just has to keep having babies so she can do that. They have five kids at this point. But anyway, over the years, it has been assumed um, mostly by things she has said that she is Hispanic, that she's Latina, Latina. She has said she's from Spain. She speaks with an accent and she's been on interviews where she has said things like, like forgotten the English word for cucumber and said like, oh, como dice cucumber? <laughs> so she's been <laughs> okay. speaking okay. in a fake Spanish so, accent. Oh, it's fake. She white. So as it turns out, born and bred in Boston, um, both sides of her parents just fully white. So this all comes out, and many of us who are, you know, just looking for some Schadenfreude over our holiday break go on a rabbit trail of watching old interviews with Hilaria where she's pretending to be a Latina. Which, you know what, I can relate to it because here's the thing when I was in fourth grade, I really wanted braces, and I took a paper clip and I made it into a retainer. <laughs> And I wore it to school for a week. So we're almost the same. Yeah, it's, almost, it's slightly less problematic. Yeah. And you didn't change your name from Hillary, which was her given name up That's until right. recently. Yes, her yeah. name is just Hillary. And she changed it to Hilaria. 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 Yes. Her family, I read her family was from Spain, but then moved to the U.S., like her mom went to college in Boston and then, you know, like their careers were here in Boston and there's footage of her mom giving a speech, you know, 10 years ago, complete Northeastern accent, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah. And then yeah, they're not Spanish, like ethnically at all. Right. Yeah. Well, mom and dad moved to they vacation. They have a vacation home in Mallorca. <laughs> there you go. And oh, then, so they, so yeah. they're not actually spanish they just no. have a house in spain uh, right yeah. and they go they love the culture and all that stuff and then hillary d- adopted that identity I, and became yeah, hilarious okay, okay. i just, he, I just he, don't get it I, like i'm like i'm like white people y'all have everything like why <laughs> well in the just world leave it alone. would just 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 be okay with it like, you got Derek, everything we don't have good food and you have to acknowledge that so yes you know. it's well i know i know so, i know some white <laughs> white women in the south that can bake 
They, they, okay, that's fair. Yeah, you, you know, know what I mean? Like, yeah, we yeah. have baking. Yeah, yeah for I mean, sure. We cook but our chicken. Just, you know, we boil our chicken in water. So. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's, it's bad. Like, you know, like some stuff is bad. But, you know, I'm just like, man. I'm like, why? It, like, I, I guess the crazy part, too, is. Yeah, I don't know. That, yeah, this, this this is a confusing thing to me. I and the crazy thing is, that, like, when it when, when the internet figured this out and started to post stuff of like, this is not really her accent. Like the family, like Alec and stuff, like came to her defense. Or okay, something. That, it was that's just, a, that's the, the denial. Down. The denial. The double yeah, down that, is that, the thing that it, confuses and, me. And look, I think it's admirable when when people stand up for members of their family. Uh, obviously, it seems like she's very much in the wrong here, but. My other thing, too, is like, are we kind of done with Alec Ball? I'm not trying to cancel. I'm just saying, like, has has he like when he was doing Trump on SNL, it was fine. You know, it was fine, but it was still Alec Baldwin. Like, I don't feel like Alec Baldwin has done a lot to endear. I'm not saying like we you just be straight up canceled. I'm just making the point that it doesn't seem like he's done very much to endear himself to you know audiences lately like i never am like sweet alec baldwin's in this like i'm like he always he he seems to have a tendency to kind of treat reporters and they're poorly and like he's a jerk yeah there's just like this pattern of behavior that seems like okay look if if there's no apologetic approach to any of this like why are we still wanting alec baldwin content like alec baldwin was great in 30 rock though as i I agree but i think he peaked there i think i think that was peak baldwin and again i'm not saying at a principal cancel i'm just saying like i i as as an actor i don't i'm not even sure why he's still like famous other than he was famous you my, know? my only thing yeah. about this is what's their end game it's clear that they were caught she was caught in this bizarre fabrication just just admit it and move on. The well, inter- the fact that you're doubling down and denying it is keeping the internet interested. This is the only the, the only, this only question I have. The only question I have is this, and and this is legit in the sense of when the Spanish house. Like I'm interested in that. Did was she raised in Spain, like, or did they like buy a house when she was like 30 or whatever? I think like, that they vacationed. She, like, I think they vacationed in Spain, but you know, like. I mean, my family, you know, goes to certain countries. I mean, we vacation in Mexico all the time, but like For sure. that does not give me the right to appropriate that culture and pretend that I am from that culture to make myself more spicy or likable, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, she, she just, it's just complete appropriation. I mean, it's, okay. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm trying to look, you know, I like to see the bright side and stuff. Like I was raised, <laughs> right. I'm from Michigan. I was raised in the South. So like when I would go up, when I would go up north, my like southern accent would get less, and then when I came down south, it would get thicker. You know what I mean? Like, right. so I'm yeah. thinking maybe it was one of those things where she spent a significant time in Spain, but now nah, y'all yeah, just but like she just went on the weekend. You don't forget the English word for cucumber. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the <laughs> thing for me. That's is like, bad. yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's or, bad. Or you know, she named all of her children. You know, very like. Latino, I think they're all boys' names. And then she has been interviewed by um like a a very popular Latina magazine, and they've said that she was from Spain and she's not corrected it. Like she was really running, you know, she was running a sham. She was running a finesse. I I wonder yeah. what I wonder like why I guess why can't you just say, you know what? I spent a lot of time in Spain. I really love the culture there, and just boom. Now you don't have none of this. Like, 
this is this is does any does anyone else see the irony too because you know alec baldwin has been very vocal about this but the person who has most recently made a name for himself by mocking someone and the main his main way of mocking this individual is to make fun of this individual's propensity to be wrong about something not apologize for it and double down like that is the donald trump joke that alec baldwin just plays in every sketch oh okay i'll call him no that didn't happen you know what i mean like we've seen it that was every sketch and now he's literally doing that just in not donald trump voice of of not apologizing in fact doubling down and trying to gaslight people about you know like that to me is just kind of the 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 weird irony of it it's like dude this is this is the problem man like you got to admit when you're wrong instead of trying to make other people think they're crazy for pointing out something that is obviously wrong you know but i mean i think that's the question is you know has alec been so successful in his role on 30 rock and then imitating the president because some of it is his own personality like mm. maybe it's a little truer to real life mm. than we want to think yeah I, if they would have just said we spend a lot of time in spain mm-hmm. and hilaria you know just like Derek was saying i spend time in the south my southern accent gets stronger that kind of a thing and just dismissed it like that yeah. and just said we don't mean to appropriate, you know, we're sorry. We'll be more conscious, you know, about how we sound and look moving forward, blah, blah, blah. The internet would have forgotten about it. Yeah, It's yeah. it's like the fact that they keep giving it oxygen or mm-hmm. like trying to deny it gives it oxygen. It, it's it's crazy. It's Kofefi. It's Kofefi. Di- like if he would have just yeah. said, I accidentally typed it in before bed. I tweeted it out. Not it's a secret code. And it's a secret code. Yeah, You'll know what truth. it means soon. Stay yeah, tuned. Yeah. It's like, Is that what that oh, was? Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I don't remember that scandal yeah. like that, but I always was, saw the joke. I'm like, what? Co- what Kofefi was a tweet at two in the morning from Trump. Kofefi, all caps. One <laughs> word and the next morning like the whole internet was like what's kofefi you know that everybody's making fun of him and he couldn't accept being made fun of like he made a mistake in the middle of the night tweeting that he said it's a code word stay tuned it will all be revealed and there's just like and if, it was, if he had just, just said butt dialed who it, cares it, man he literally just said hey i checked the, I, I checked my alarm clock in the middle of the night i must actually tweet this sorry guys <laughs> no one would have cared because everyone said i mean it's just like when they booked the four seasons total landscaping and they wouldn't just admit like, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. there was, no we meant we meant to be here we, we did this on purpose we did not think this was the hotel we wanted to be here and, okay i got one great. quick question i got one quick question because this i, I don't know if i should save this question I for have what a is just total landscaping t-shirt by the way about i the need internet. that i want i'm gonna yeah. wear it with my uh david hasselhoff board shorts okay but like <laughs> this is a this is a, a, a adjacent question okay that i was gonna this could potentially been a question that i would feel to the uh what's jesse thinking but uh, have you guys all watched uh, uh you know some amount of parks and and 30 rock of course yes All of do, it. do you think that ron swanson and jack donaghy would get along very well or would hate each other i don't feel like there's any middle ground i both feel like they're both kind of whiskey swilling capitalist libertarian yeah. you know uh you know super macho men right like sort of these caricatures of a certain type of masculinity that share a lot of values but I, do you feel like because they share such hardcore core values, right? Patriotism, capitalism, the free market, libertarianism, that they get along great or because Ron Swanson would have such an aversion to uh, Manhattan, you know, uh, kind of uh, yeah. yuppie 
Would yeah. they not get along? Would they hate each other or love each other? I don't feel like there's any middle mm. ground, and I find myself coming back to this question a lot. I think that all of their values are aligned, but they would have such socioeconomic differences that they wouldn't be friends. But Ron was actually very wealthy, so so, but he purposely in, removed himself from the socioeconomic. Like he, he's actually probably as wealthy as Jack. He Donnie. buried all his gold. That's yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. so so, I don't know. I'm very confounded by this question. Mm. I, don't I know think if- they'd be. I think they would be supporters of one another. I think mm. they would see each other as, you know, a different cultural manifestation of their right. values. Right. Right. I agree with that. D- Derek, I- do you have thoughts on this, or do you think it's even ridiculous? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I've, I've never seen Thirty Rock in my life, and you would like it. It's I've good. watched Parks and Rec twice. Oh. Yeah. So I got a lot of catching up to do. I, Parks- I know, okay. I know. Here's the deal. Parks and Rec starts weak. Like the first season, it didn't have, it didn't figure out what it was yet. Yeah. But by the end of the first season, is Seinfeld was the same way. By the end of the first season, it figured out its lane. And seasons two and beyond are some of the best comedy on television. So smart. Yeah. Great. See, I got off the train like because I Parks and Rec came out around the time Office was kind of winding down, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Same and, same showrunner too. Like there was yeah. a connectedness there. Yeah. So I just remember watching it and being like, this is just the diet version of office right. so i'm just gonna watch right. the office again and i right. never came back to it yeah you gotta push through it's like the first when people tell me they're gonna watch the wire it's like you gotta push through the first three or four episodes because yeah they're just laying the context yep. of everything it's not gonna grab and then all of a sudden you've watched six in a row <laughs> like it's okay. gonna grab you uh parks and rec would be the same way it starts i need a, i need a new one so it's 30 yeah. 30 rock or parks and rec yeah. parks and rec is better yeah i think okay depends on your you, humor I tried to watch 30 Rock with my kids who my kids love Arrested Development, love The Office, love Parks and Rec. 30 Rock did not hold up for them. They were like, I don't like it. I I agree that I think comedy sensibilities have evolved because 30 Rock was very much in the Simpsons era where it was high joke density, lots of just absurdity, non-grounded in reality. You know, so Family Guy was like that too. A lot of like pop culture flashbacks, 30 Rock, you know, uh, Donald Glover got his start as a comedy writer on 30 Rock because he sent a, a Simpsons spec script to one of the producers and they liked it so much that they hired him and he wrote for the show for like three years and that kind of mm. launched his stand-up career. Okay. But but it, that's sort of the core difference between those two shows, I feel like, is one yeah. is in the style of like that the Simpsons created. The other one, Parks and Rec, is more in the Christopher Guest vein, which is yes. mockumentary. A lot of the comedic charm is going to be in the first person I'm looking directly at the audience delivery because the mm. characters are so funny. And Where, there's okay. also more heart in, yeah. oh, in for sure. Parks and more Rec. sentimentality. Yeah. yeah. 30 yeah. Rock's kind of cynical in New York, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay. I like them both. They're different. They're different, but I like them both. They're both all time top five for me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. all right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Dustin Nickerson joins us. I've been running for so long. All that's left is skin and bone. You're listening to Cage the Elephant. The song is Skin and Bones. Well, today's episode is brought to you by podcast creation platform, Anchor. 
If you haven't heard about Anchor yet, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free. There are custom tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and every major platform. The cool thing is you can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, comedian Dustin Nickerson is a Seattle native now living in Southern California, as you tend to do when you make it big in showbiz. After being a youth pastor, Dustin made the surprising career pivot into comedy. He's now been featured on Comedy Central, uh, the new Netflix special by Kevin Hart, Hulu, many others. His most recent comedy special is Overwhelmed, and it just launched on Amazon Prime. We sat down with him to talk about his journey from being a youth pastor to stand-up comedy, the similarities between church and comedy, and why comedians are talking about mental health so much. Here's our conversation with Dustin Nickerson. Thank you, everyone, for being here at my debatably legal comedy special. (laughs) This is exactly like it was on, on my vision board, right here, to be the first comedian ever to film a comedy special where Batman's parents got murdered. (laughs) If you're a dad and you don't have a dad bod, then you might be a bad dad. You have to neglect your health or your children, one or the other. All right, so you were a really obvious line drive for our beat here at Relevant, uh, which not every stand-up is. um, Because you were a a youth pastor at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, was a youth pastor for uh, like seven years. Or I was in and around ministry for like seven years. So I'm, I'm, have been in the world, but I was never good at it. And I talk a little bit about it. I, I was never. I was. I, you know, sometimes people like. I don't know. Not to like fully diminish, you know, the call of the ministry, but sometimes people just take that job, and that's kind of what it was for me. Is I was just in and around church circles, and I was like, I guess I could do like the ministry thing, and I did it for a while. And uh, it's not like I didn't like it. Uh, it's just you know, it was not really ever a long, long term thing for me. Now, coming from someone who uh, I myself was very briefly on that career trajectory, was that something where you got told a lot that you'd make a great youth pastor? Were you a youth group kid? Uh, yeah, I wasn't a church kid though. Growing up, I, I started hanging in around church circles around high school and I was like, oh my gosh, these guys are way nicer than the kids at school. (laughs) And, uh, and I, uh, came to faith, uh, at a skateboard rally, which is how a lot of kids in Seattle in the nineties got saved. That was big for us. The Lord Lord doing a lot of work through skateboards in, uh, uh, in the nineties and early two thousands. So, um, yeah, so I kind of, I got into that and I, I wasn't really, um, I, I started off as a journalist um, and then went into the ministry and then uh, started, was kind of doing things all along a similar vein as far as like speaking at conferences or I was running like a comedy blog for a while and all of it was in the pointing towards uh, just, I felt like I had something to say, you know, I felt like I like, this is, this is, you know, I want to be in a position where I'm putting out content and I have a platform and I'm sharing and, and ministry sometimes is kind of like, unfortunately is an app for that. But now it's unfortunately an avenue for that. And um, uh, then when I started stand up, I was like, oh, this is what it was, you know? 
So when did stand-up become the, where did that enter your realm? When did you decide this is something I want to do? Yeah, I was, uh, it was eight years ago, a little over eight years ago. Uh, I, I'm in love with stand-up comedy, have been my whole life, and uh, grew up just watching it on Comedy Central all the time, because uh, Comedy Central, that used to be what was on Comedy Central all the time. Uh, so I love stand-up, and, uh, but, but it was one of those things that you're just like, I mean, I'll never do it. You know, like, I don't, I, I wouldn't even know how to pursue it. I wouldn't, you know, I know that that's a thing and that looks fun. Uh, but then when I moved from Seattle to San Diego, which is where we live now, it was kind of like a reset for us. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go try it finally. And then like, I, you know, you do your first open mic and it's, you know, three minutes for five drunks and they laugh and you go, this is it. This is my actual calling, for lack of a better word. You know, uh, this is actually what I want to do. stand-up comics talk about doing your time in the trenches where where you just bomb every night and do you feel like you went through that or did you start out pretty much like i got this um i don't know when i thought like i got this i don't know that i feel that now (laughs) this year has felt a lot like the early years where you don't have as many gigs and the gigs that you do get are hell gigs. you're just like why are we outside uh two weekends ago I'm opening for Nate Bargatze to, to cars. We're, we're performing to, at a drive-in. They're honking. It feels like they're warning you that you made a bad career choice, you know? And it's like, it, you, it's one thing to like be at a show and someone walk away. It's quite another to hear them turn on their engine <laughs> and like drive out. It's a, it's a particular level of insulting. So, uh, but yeah, in the early years, it's a total, that's what I really like about comedy is um, there are elements of it that, that are um, unfair, for lack of a better term. Uh, but it is very much a pay your dues type industry. And those that don't usually aren't as good. And they're not as received well amongst the comic community because we're a very petty group. And, uh, uh, but you you have so many bad gigs. For me, it was never about, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. It was more just to me, I like, I kind of romanticize it of like, this is part of it. The bad gigs are part of it. Sleeping in airports are part of it. Dealing with drunk hecklers is part of it. You know, all of the, all of the bad stuff is, is kind of part of it. And it's uh, very much kind of, uh, uh, you know, earning your stripes. So a few weeks back, I I, I sort of marathoned a lot of stand up one weekend, and I realized that I felt like I'd been laughing, but I was depressed after a while because because it seems like the people I've been listening to were depressed. Is that is that a thing in the stand up community? Is there a lot of depression, or is that just like where the jokes are? Both. Um, I think both are true. There. I think. Um, I think that. There's a trope there that exists of stand-ups are damaged and you would have to be damaged to get into that. To not just want to do it, but to pursue it and keep pursuing it. Because there's a level of masochism to it where you're just like, I mean, it's it's torture a lot of the time for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour of, of you know, ecstasy. Like, uh, if it goes well, which it often doesn't, or it doesn't go as well as you'd hoped it went. So I do think that that is uh, an accurate trope. I think that there are a lot of, uh, myself included, of just going, there was something in me uh, 
that needs strangers to affirm him. You know, I need, I need people to come together and laugh at me and clap and tell me I have value and worth. And uh, so that's, that's a part of the DNA for me. And uh, I think that that's true. Um, you know, there's a very famous uh, clip of uh, Gary Shandling and Jerry Seinfeld and Jerry Seinfeld saying to Gary Shandling, like, you don't have to be this. That's I hate this. You know, they say we're all damaged and, you know, that's not true. We could just be happy. And Gary Shandling goes, I hear rage. <laughs> and that's, that's exactly it. I mean, Seinfeld is filled with rage, you know, uh, and that's in his act and, and it was in his show. All right, so I'm going to ask a maybe a, a novice question here, but in my mind, there are two tracks in comedy. There's one where they're not really interested in a social sense of affecting change, like maybe you put John Mulaney in that category. And then there's comedians like Chappelle who, who actually go for a perspective on issues and people come to them for their takes. Of those two, which do you tend to steer your comedy towards, or is there a third way that I'm not seeing? I think that personally, the earlier years of my comedy, I kind of picked up attraction. And some of this is because, um, you know, maybe a third of my dates were in churches. And so my act just kind of developed that way of being more, hey, I'm not going to have a lot to say about current events. It's all family and relationships, and which is still a big chunk of my event. Uh, and and it, it, which even though I, in the clubs, I was kind of doing those things, but then when I would go to try, I was like, you know, I want jokes that work everywhere. And I, you know, I hadn't really developed much of a fan base and still working on that, uh, getting there. Uh, but the, uh, you know, uh, now I think that personally, I've always wanted to speak. And I think when we're on socials on, on, on issues that are happening in the world, uh, and in 2020 have felt like, almost neglectful not to um and like come in uh you mentioned the black lives matter thing was very outspoken about that on all my social media platforms on some videos i made and from what i was doing on stage and some of it is in the special i do jokes about going to black lives matter protests and stuff so it's it's in there but i i try to do it in such a way that you get the point you get what i'm trying to say even if you disagree with it, you go, well, that's still funny. And so I, that, that's kind of where I want to be because that allows me to talk, then go back into talking about, you know, my kids or whatever I want to say. Like, for example, I did a show last night where, you know, I was only doing 10 minutes and the first eight minutes was about quarantine. And, uh, you know, I would take up jogging with my wife over quarantine because, you know, we've all aged like 75 years. We do puzzles. We drink tea together. It's awful. But then what I wanted to close with was two minutes about Trump. Not And, and you'll get my stance in there, but ultimately just to kind of make jokes about it and, and, and having those jokes work in Southern California and a month ago, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. I always forget the Carolinas. Raleigh. Uh, it's very satisfying because I'm going, listen, you guys are on different sides of the political spectrum here, but you're getting what I have to say and you're laughing kind of at the joke and also the truth. So I lean, I, I guess I'm somewhere in between those two things, which maybe if I would pick one, I would be more successful. I don't know. <laughs> That was Dustin Nickerson. Check out his new comedy special, Overwhelmed, on Amazon Prime.
You're listening to North Point Worship. The song is Promises. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, Jesse uh, got talking about jet skis, and he thinks jet skis are a regrettable purchase for the person who shelled out fifteen or $18,000 for it. I, I, th- I, think, I think about 20 minutes into your, the purchase, on your first time riding, it's like, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, like, did a couple laps, did the spray thing, probably do that one more time. Now I'm just kind of driving in circles on this lake. I, you, what you want to do is have a friend who has a jet ski, not yes. not be the owner but of even the jet then, ski. Even, but even yeah, exactly. But but it's not like hey, two buddies hitting jet skis. It's just two people riding jet skis independently that you can kind of see out of the corner of your kinda, eye. Yeah, like it's not like each hey, other. bud, yeah. Let's, yeah. we haven't hung out in a while. Why don't we go for jet ski rides? It's like well, at the end of the day, I was just watching you ride a jet ski. You know, like <laughs> just not a great purchase. That's all. Uh, so it got us thinking about regrettable purchases. And so we asked you, what's what's a purchase that you've regretted? You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. And you also posted on the uh, episode Instagram post on the Relevant Magazine Instagram account. Here's a couple of our favorites. Ben has a good one that he once bought an exercise bike. And when he got right home, he realized that he was both over the weight limit and very too too tall for the exercise bike as well. So, <laughs> you know, at least his, his heart was in the right place. You know, he wanted to to, to buy a, you know, a, a productive purchase, but anyway. Okay, uh, Andrew said the worst purchase he made was actually this past Christmas where it was sand Play-Doh with some, it was like stretchy, but it had glitter in it. Um, but <laughs> the glitter gets everywhere, including the washing machine. Like, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> so so glitter, then you're putting glitter on the next load. Oh, no. Glitter. I mean, this fan, this family just bedazzled, man. Like yeah. everything is just bedazzled. Glitter. I think we can all agree glitter should just be canceled, right? Like glitter should be canceled. It's the herpes of the craft world, really. <laughs> oh, Boom. my Thank gosh. Thank you for saying it. Gets Thank you for saying it. Can't get rid of it. Can't get rid <laughs> no. of it. Uh, Cancel glitter. Get it. Cancel glitter. And confetti. Yeah. Can we get rid yeah. of confetti, too? Yeah, oh, confetti. That is a regrettable. Like it's all fun and games till you have to clean that so up. You gotta the next clean day. it up. Yeah. Confetti. New Year's confetti Eve. I, I was at the fireworks stand and and uh, got some of those popper things. You know, and mm-hmm. we shot them indoors. Oh man, I'm still so, finding little sorry, paper dots. Yeah, yeah. Man, we uh, we shot a music video at my friend's house, and it was like a it was a party people video, and like it was a big old house party. My guy says he's been finding confetti literally everywhere for years. He's like, man, one day he was like doing a piece of toast and it popped up and gl- uh, confetti was on the toast. He's like, <laughs> he's like bro, I hate it, this place. It, 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 like, it was a couple of years ago where this guy had this idea where he would send, you could mail him money and in exchange, he would mail someone a glitter bomb. Like, and yes. it was an envelope filled with glitter yeah. And he ended up shutting it down because he realized that the Frankenstein that he had built had gotten out of control and was storming <laughs> villages because he's like, I'm covered in glitter all the time, too. There's no way to do this joke without the joke backfiring. Like, I have to handle a tremendous amount of glitter. And now, you know, that he was, you know, the, the same weapon he had crafted yeah. was used against them. You know, I've I seen an amazing prank where a guy. Uh, you know, people steal Amazon packages or whatever. And this guy literally was putting glitter bombs on yes. people's porches. So thieves would take them and it exploded in their, 
and he had cameras inside of it. He had a camera it. in the box. <laughs> yeah, I love that amazing. one. It's my favorite prank. <laughs> so dope. good. Because yeah. you have no one to report it to. This box <laughs> I stole is full of glitter. Oh, You're screwed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really exploded in their faces. I mean, yeah. all over their cars. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's amazing. All right, that'll do it for your feedback. There's more where that came from. Go check it out. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. What's your whitest purchase? <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, earlier in the show, we got to talk about the David Hasselhoff auction, and and it got you know us thinking about the weirdest things you've ever bought. So that's the thing. What, as Derek calls it, what's your whitest purchase? But we want to know what's your weirdest purchase, which also happens to be your whitest purchase. Impress so, me, because I mean, you the David Hasselhoff thing, like that's pretty impressive. Whoever's trying to buy that David Hasselhoff thing, so you don't have to. You, I, I want to see the. The depths there, of there's white someone purchases. willing to spend, spend six figures, and I have a mental picture of what that person looks like in his mind, and they're definitely a white person, Derek. So. I, <laughs> Derek, I went through a phase. I had a weird sense of humor. I went through a phase where I wanted. Um, I, I'm not a hunter. I don't. I don't hunt. But I saw a jackalope one time, where it's like they take a rabbit and put. Uh, yeah, horn, like I can't. I saw it at the office. Yeah, yeah. So this jackalope, I got. I got it like when I was in college as a joke. And then I just took it with me wherever I moved. And then friends started realizing, oh, he likes weird taxidermy. And so I started uh, collecting unnaturally horned animals. And so I have like four or five things, like a piranha with like like teeth, on, like a, like they put like horns on it and junk. I have all these weird, like unnaturally horn, horned animals. Uh, weird, weird, weird purchases on my shelf. So. <laughs> bro, send me some pictures, bro. I've never seen a piranha with horn. That's actually kind of cool. It's like you got your, your own little house of horrors, or like you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying. Like well, little- it's all the podcasts weird. We have some weird podcast stuff that people have sent us over the years. We have a whole whole bookshelves of uh, very strange things that we've acquired. But yeah, hit us up. Tell us the weirdest thing you've ever purchased. Maybe you love it. You don't have to regret it. Maybe you love it. Yeah. Tell us about it. Send us a picture. I'm going to love it too because I'm easily entertained. <laughs> Tweet us at Relevant Podcast or post on this episode as post on the Relevant Magazine Instagram account. Well, many thanks to Dustin Nickerson for joining us. Make sure to check out his new comedy special, Overwhelmed. You can stream it right now on Amazon Prime. It's great. Also, while you're online, check out the all new issue of Relevant. It's available now at relevantmagazine.com. Features uh, in-depth profile with Pharrell on the cover and some great features with John Mark McMillan, uh, Beth Moore, um, Liz Bohannon, Allo Black, just amazing stuff. Go check it out right now. It's available for free. The digital edition of Relevant, January, February, issue 104. It's available now. Just came out last week. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Kristen Howerton. Kristen, thanks for sitting in with us these last yeah, two episodes. It has been so much fun. It's always fun. Happy 2021. Just hanging out, not doing much. Mm, not Trying doing to stay nothing. safe. Just stay safe out there <laughs> in California. All right. All right, everybody. We'll see you on Friday. Have a good week. listening to the relevant podcast check out our features interviews and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com and make sure to follow relevant on facebook twitter and instagram for the latest for more great podcasts browse the shows on the relevant podcast network which you can find at our site and while you're there don't miss the all-new era of relevant magazine 
A new issue releases every other month at relevantmagazine.com. I would put wheels on that thing in a steering wheel and just drive around town on David Hasselhoff. Relevant Podcast Network.